if we have to be the example or if we have to, you know, go out, fail, let people see us fail, dust ourselves off and do it again, let's do it. And so that became the mission. Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Thea Wood. Welcome to Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. Today, we're zooming to you from Austin, Texas, as we are all practicing a social distancing lifestyle during the coronavirus pandemic. The show must go on, right? Well, it is today. And I'm excited to introduce the founder of The Misses, an all-female pop band who have been on a mission since 2013. That mission and a powerful music video earned national recognition on Good Morning America and The Queen Latifah Show. Here she is drummer, singer, songwriter, philanthropist, and the woman who will build you up, Buttercup. Welcome, Andra Lemont. Super cute. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself today? Well, you know what? Today, I am doing great. Good. I know this this pandemic thing is causing a lot of craziness, but we're going to jump right into this podcast with a lot of inspiration and feel-good thoughts, and we're going to start it off with the shakedown. Are you ready for that? I am ready. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. Our first shakedown question is, who was your first concert? Okay. So my first concert was Yanni, which sounds completely insane. I know. I was in high school and I lived in a small town in Victoria. We didn't get access as much or as often to big concerts. And my boyfriend at the time loved music and that was our big date. And I literally went in a very long, like ball gown-ish to the concert. What is it? The Houstonian or the, where is that in Houston? I can't remember. The Woodlands. That's what it's called. Ah, the Woodlands. Yes. Dance is my background. And so I, I think he was really trying to impress me with the concert. So it was a lot. Oh, that's so sweet. And hey, just so you know, I have family in LaSalle. Oh, okay. I do. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? So I kind of get the idea, the Victoria area and all that. That's their town. (laughs) Yeah, well, right. I know. I mean, when you're in a small town, you're kind of trapped into these traps. You'll take any kind of music. You're like excited about the culture and those kind of experiences, but I'll never forget it. It left a lasting impression on me. And yeah. Okay. Next question. What was the first album you bought with your own money? Madonna. (gasps) Ooh, okay. First one? 
Yes. Yes. Yay. Of course. I mean, we're both children of the eighties. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and again, back to access and approved music that my mother would let me have. So, you know, I had to save my own money and go get that. So the other music that I had, you know, my mom would approve of, we went to church and I had other kinds of music. So this was the first kind of album I went out and bought on my own. I'm throwing a lot of things. Oh, out yeah. There right now. oh yeah. I was Madonna. Uh, probably several different times for Halloween. And by the way, this past year, I was Madonna again. I think I have enjoyed Madonna's rebel vibe and her do things differently and just be who she wants to be no matter what, and just kind of break the mold from an early age. I thought maybe being in a small town, maybe that one day I could Madonna, but obviously I'm not. <laughs> Although I try to be every Halloween. <laughs> there, there is only one Madonna. We have to say that. But here you are decades later still listening to her. So you were onto something. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? That has changed since there's so much happening right now. I kind of go back and forth. So during the day, I've been listening to just very meditation music because I think that that's been very, very soothing. But if you had asked me just three weeks ago, Post Malone, I just went to his concert. He cool, came- how'd you like it? It was incredible. It was the last concert. I think it was the last concert in Austin. I think some of his music for me is both a stream of pop for me, but also just this chill vibe. And it gets me in a good mood when I'm working out. And so, and just having been able to, that be my last concert was a lot of fun. <laughs> and what's interesting for me is having been at his concert, I got to see both moms and their kiddos. And there was just like this wide range of audience. And I know that's super random from Yanni to Post Malone to meditation, but I like to think I have a pretty eclectic taste from Bob to local Bob Schneider. I listen to it all. I really enjoy music and on every level. Yeah. Well, which woman has had the most influence on your career? I would say the Go-Go's because... Kathy Valentine lives here locally, and she really taught me how to write our first song. And I have a lot of admiration for them and for the way that they've been able to steer their careers, the band, and what it takes to to really be in this industry. It's tough, and especially the way that they started. And Kathy took a lot of time with me and therefore with my band at the time. And really coached us, took us under her wing. And it was very admirable considering we were new musicians and, you know, knew nothing. I'm very grateful to her and and to what they have done for women in this industry. Let's pop on over to our next question, which is, if you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? That is an interesting question because currently right now, I am seeking counsel just in this kind of space that we're in you know, this is not music related, but I've been a huge seeker of emotional connection for a very long time. And I, I think I seek that through music, through songwriting, through the way that I see music, the way that I see humanity. And Brene Brown has been someone that I enjoy pretty much every aspect of how she connects. And I would love to have a seat at the table with her and to be able to learn more from her and to be able to just have a conversation about where we are today and talk about my work, talk about music. And I know she loves music very much. So that would be a lot of fun. 
And I've seen Brene speak before, and it is truly a fantastic experience. If anybody has the opportunity, I say jump on it. And I believe that she's also starting a podcast of her own. So there's a way for us to connect through that, which once again, we love technology. And and by the way, if you do have that dinner, if you have an extra seat at the table, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will. I think a lot of women would scramble for that seat. And I think she's done a lot for women, for conversations and just opening up for humanity for us to see how we can all be vulnerable together and allowing space for that. I've really enjoyed just being able to learn from her over the years. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. We're on the last shakedown question, which is, what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? It's hard because I have I have so many different goals for my family, for me. The biggest goal is just really seeking joy for my girls and my husband and, and our family. And it's just such a hard question because ultimately, if you set a goal for your work, for your music, you just set another one that's higher. So that one's really hard. But I think seeking joy is the highest goal I could really seek for myself, for my girls. Woo, sorry. It's a tough one. <laughs> It is. It is. And it's, it's something that I strive for every day because, you know, seeing my family be happy or really knowing that we're impacting the world through our joy and through bringing joy to others, that is a landmark. I appreciate that you have that as a goal because that is a daily goal that you can live and not something that you're just striving to achieve in the future. And right. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, I want to jump a little bit more into the Mrs., your band, which, like we said before, is an all-female pop band featuring you on drums, Jenny Mason on bass, Larissa Ness on keyboard, and Mandy Prater, am I saying that right? Yes. On guitar. And all of you sing vocals. What is the message that your music focuses on? So really, it's about empowering women to see themselves as enough to take on any life challenge or, or to set goals for themselves. The idea when we started the band was we wanted women to know that they can do anything, no matter their age. Jenny and I, who Jenny was with me from the beginning, when we started, we both knew that we were starting a little later in life. And at that time, there were a lot of roadblocks that message being sent to a lot of women was your phase in life right now is to raise kids or be a wife or whatever you have done at this point, that's the end of the road. And that's what you chose. And that's where you're supposed to be. And for me, I just wanted the message to change. I wanted the message to say, it's okay to evolve and innovate all throughout your life. And so if we can do that through music and encourage people to you want to pick up the drums, you want to sing, you want to dance, you want to, you know, if it's not creative, if it's take a new career right now, learn a skill and do it, do it. And if we have to be the example, or if we have to, you know, go out, fail, let people see us fail, dust ourselves off and do it again, let's do it. And so that became the mission. And through all of our trials and all of our failures and all of our successes and all of the things mixed up, it has been that. And we've had women reaching out to us all along the journey saying, I want to do that. And I've seen a lot of women take on new paths and it's been really encouraging. And we write music because of that. 
I love that positivity and having a mission with music. And I don't know if how many bands really think about that aspect of their creative process. So hats off to you and hats off to you for also not taking no for an answer, because I do know that you have mentioned in the past that you were told, sorry, ladies, you're too old to be starting this process. It kind of gets back to where I love the visuals of music videos and how cool it's been. And, you know, MTV really started all of this. But at the same time, it also created another barrier for women in music because it became so visual that all of a sudden age, I think, became a much bigger issue when you were looking at things just visually instead of looking at just the music. Yes. And I can remember walking in fighting to get the interview for an interview in New York. We had already created several several songs to release on an EP. And it was one of the very first songs we wanted to release was our song called Enough. We wanted to create a music video that was going to be different. And kind of what I was saying earlier is, you know, we wanted to set a tone that was not traditional. Everything we did, I always said, well, how can we do this differently? You know, we don't want to do everything where a path has been walked before. We want to walk a little differently, maybe a little to the left or a little to the right, but never down the middle. And so as we're doing all of our planning of how we want to do everything, I was trying to get support and from the music industry. So I contacted or found, you know, some help and I was contacting to get a interview in New York. And I remember being on the phone with a gentleman and I said, you know, just, I was so excited. I got the call and I said, Hey, you know, you know, played him the song. He's got the email. He listens to the song and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. Well, you'll never get radio airplay. And I'm like on the phone thinking, uh, okay. And he's like, I mean, I can't even get Melissa Etheridge, you know, on the radio. How am I ever going to get you on the radio? And I thought, okay. So I go, here's what I know. I'm going to start with this. We have a message. We have good music and we know women that want to hear this. Take a meeting with me and I want to show you what I've put together. He goes, well, I don't know. I don't know if you can be here tomorrow. And literally I'm in Austin and he's in New York. And it's like, he's thinking you're a mom. There's no way you'll come up here. I go done. I'll be there tomorrow. I flew up (laughs) overnight, flew there And I walked in and I remember sitting on the sofa waiting. I wore my best shoes, of course. course. For like a a. 9am meeting. I was like, I got my shoes on. I'm ready. I'm taking, I'm nervous as I'll get out. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, but I'm going to do, I have my little iPad with the presentation on it, ready to show them what we wanted to do for this magic mirror video, new video. We wanted to do this whole thing we wanted to do. And he looked at me and he goes, is it just you? And I looked at him, I go, yeah, unless you want me to bring my kids. (laughs) And that's how we started our meeting. And that was the beginning of my journey in the music industry. And I remember thinking, and it was all men, you know, I kept having these meetings, a room full of men. And I kept having to prove myself, not like, hey, we're really excited about these ideas. These are, you know, killer ideas. Your music rocks. Let's figure out a program. Let's do this. I came over prepared, not like, I mean, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep background. Are you kidding me? I had a three point sales message. I had everything pulled together. I had documents. I was ready. Now, did I have all the background for the music industry? No. But what I had was a lot of grit. I had all of it pulled together. I had great news. I had everything packaged up, ready to hand to them, ready to go. They handed me this, what I consider a real crap offer. And I just, I said, you know what? I'm gonna do it on my own. Thank you. I got this. And I reached out to Austin and our first music video. And I just, 
ended up doing it on my own with a group of women here that wanted to support me. And I just decided from then on, everything was going to be different. I was going to own everything. I'd start my own label and that I decided I would take on the music industry way differently and that I didn't want to play that game. You know, and this is a reflection of what Joan Jett went through in the 70s and 80s. And I just want to point out to people, what year did you do that? I did that in, it was 2014. Okay. So look at how things really haven't changed as much as we would like them to. I mean, it's that she was told no over and over and again, girls don't play rock and roll, all that kind of deal. Label after label turned her down. So what did she do? What you did. She started her own label. She did all these things. And you think about it and it's almost makes you angry that all these years later, it's the same story. And I'm so sorry that, you know, you had to experience that as well. And hopefully these, by sharing your story with our listeners, maybe it can help incite change and get people to be able to say, okay, let's rethink this. Or if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I try not to, and one of the things, and I met Joan Jett, by the way, that is probably up on my huge bucket list. Of, I met her before a concert by a random person that knew her. He was filming her autobiography, one of her documentaries. And I just knew him through a different path. And we were, he was able to get me backstage to meet her. And by the way, she is fabulous. And then got to see her concert. One of my top things I've ever done. And I agree. I think things should change. And I try not to get too, too overbearing about this kind of topic, but I try to take it again, a little bit differently. I try to try to approach it from a standpoint of, okay, well then if that doesn't work, let's try some other solutions. I try to be more solution oriented, I guess, is the way I'm, I'm looking at it. Like how can we all work together in this industry to bring people together? If that's not the path, then what is? Right. And really look to figure out what is the path because that path is broken for us. So as women, what is it? And that's where I am trying to create new streams for us, for women, for my band and for others to really connect. And that is where I see hope and where I have joy. Because to me, the other path was not a joyful one. And I love music. I love creating it. I love every aspect of it. And I love learning about it. And I love being with my team. And when you mix in all the frustration of the other pieces of it, I thought, do I want this in my life? And at the end of the day, it worked for you because your magic mirror video, which featured the song I'm Enough, in 2014, it went viral and you ended up being featured on Good Morning America, the Queen Latifah show, a bunch of national news outlets. And as of today, the video on YouTube has almost 5.5 million views, which is amazing. And for those of you who haven't seen it, very quickly, it's easy enough, we'll have on our show notes the video for this show. LinkedIn so that you can see it right there as, you know, after you listen to the podcast, but it's very magical. It is magic mirror. And it was set up in a mall and it was basically very introspective. It was about self-talk and how we as women have so much negative self-talk. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of that extra external influence to really help us change our perspective. Moving from that into Hurricane Harvey, you have a song somewhere to go. And how did that come about with Hurricane Harvey? So interestingly enough, we were in the process of creating our album when Hurricane Harvey hit. And right before then, we were 
writing and we were kind of at the tail end and we started writing this somewhere to go song and it really started with a melody and at the same kind of around it's kind of like every when everything hits rains it pours several of our very closest friends there was a lot of personal things happening in the band i guess we were looking for hope for people and that's when we were writing it and it started with a beautiful melody on the keyboard and we thought you know how can we really reach out to people in this way and let them know that no matter what's going on in their life that there's always someone there at the end of the journey for them. And that was the song that we were dedicating to all those people special in our lives. And it just so happened that Hurricane Harvey had happened and we dedicated it out to those people in our lives, as well as to those who were really suffering during that time, many close to us as well, that were affected by the hurricane. As a fellow Texan, I saw all of the community coming together and helping people and any differences that people may have had were metaphorically washed away because we needed to do that. And if we fast forward to today with the coronavirus pandemic, I think that one of the the major differences between this crisis and something like the hurricane is that we cannot physically come together and that creates its own set of you know of obstacles and i'm wondering is this pandemic also going to be influencing what's next for the mrs band absolutely uh, <laughs> this is influencing a lot of what we're doing there is right now still the way that we operate is definitely very different we're writing songs over <laughs> over Skype and over Zoom. And so, you know, a couple of weeks, I just finished writing a song last two weeks. I, I'm getting lost in time, actually. I, I don't know if it was last week or the week before at this point. I just finished writing a song and the tone is very different. It's called Rescue Me. And that song, when it started, I had had some notes in it. Songs sometimes start way before they're actually finished. So at, at the beginning of that song was very different than how it's ending now based on some things that are being affected by it. And so I would say that everything from this pandemic will affect the misses. From programming, we're taking everything virtually. As I'm sure the rest of the world, we have all had gigs that were canceled, schedules that were affected, and we're looking to take how do we make all of that virtual now to be able to connect in a deeper, stronger way. The biggest thing we can do is be able to be there for our community and, and be able to be able to provide that to them so that people feel connected to us. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our special guest, Andra Limont of The Misses, after this message. Backstage chats with women in music would not be here without our rock star donors. We'd like to thank Kendra Scott Jewelry, Kobe Collins of Mary Kay Cosmetics, and Lover Girl Cosmetics for supporting our 501c3 nonprofit Horizon Music Foundation. If you would like to support the cause, we'd love to hear from you. Email info at H-E-R-I-Z-O-N music.org. Again, that's info at H-E-R-I-Z-O-N music.org. And we're back with our special guest, Andra Limont. She started actually in kinesiology in college. Is there a connection between kinesiology and drumming for you? You know what? That is such a great question. I'm so glad you asked that because 
I often think that there is. So my background is ballet. I was a trained ballerina growing up and I've danced my entire life. And moving into college years, I loved it so much. My background's kinesiology, sports and science. So my degree, I loved the study of the body all through college. So I really researched that. And then I was aerobics director. So I continued just the study of movement and and loved that all through college. So when it came to drumming, when I did decide to pick up the drumsticks, you know, at older age, in my 30s, I believe that all of that contributed and still does to being able to understand how to disassociate my, you know, my right arm from my left and my right leg from my left, because it did take some training and some time to know that, you know, when I'm doing eighth notes here, that's only doing quarter notes there and really knowing how to read music. I never read music. So that was a very interesting learning process in and of itself, drumming to a click, listening, you know, even vocally, how to harmonize that's a whole nother limb I'm using, right? Vocals on a whole different rhythm and melody while I'm drumming. So it's very, I think all of that's related. And I think it definitely helps me to take it on. I heard many times people saying, oh, I can't believe you're doing that as an adult. Like kids, yeah. But as an adult, it's harder to learn things. You know, the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. <laughs> Not that I want to call myself an old dog. <laughs> Pretend I didn't say that. Uh, you know, so I think it's definitely helped. I don't think it's impossible to do if you don't have that background, but I think it's helped me. I think I learn things a little bit faster. I'm definitely a visual learner, and I definitely, once I learn it, my body just does it. So I'm, you know, once I have it, I'm, I've got it. Since day one, since my children were born, they haven't known anything different. And, you know, finding music in my own life, pretty much because I had children, because I was seeking music for them and happen to fall into it for myself, they haven't known anything different. All of our music that we write, I consider them love songs to my children, a legacy for me, for them to one day be able to listen to and to find deeper meaning behind what we've written. I know everyone in the band from you know, Mandy, Larissa, or Jenny, we all have our story of why we wrote it. It's a little bit different, but I always am constantly telling the girls why we wrote something or why I wrote it. And then I want them to always, every time they hear a song, a Mrs. song, to take on a different listening ear. And as they've gotten older throughout the years, they get to hear something different. Oh, mom, I heard this this time. And one day when I'm not here, you know, one day when I'm long gone, ah, (laughs) that makes me tear up. they can hear those songs back and know that one that was written for them or to, to find a tiny portal into my soul in a different way and to know that I loved them in that way or to know that I thought that while I was here on earth, you know? And I think that music can do that. It can connect you deeper to your kids, to your family. And so my journey with music with my kids is to connect us deeper and to let them see me and be as vulnerable as possible. Speaking of the joy and the kindness and the legacy of that love, you started the Kindness Campaign, which is an educational nationwide now effort to help young people with being kind to themselves, protecting themselves against 
the outside negativity that can come in. And I wanted to ask about the story behind creating the kindness campaign. So kind of going back to the magic mirror and when we were talking about that, the magic mirror really spawned on this, what I consider a a journey that I didn't know was going to exist in my life for the kindness campaign. Once that magic mirror really went viral and, and was taking off, we had lots of requests for people to be in front of the magic mirror. So the band and I toured around nationwide, bringing the magic mirror everywhere and from the top of the rock in New York to the mall of America, you know, it's a little town. So we, we really had a lot of time with people and that's also where a lot of our songwriting comes from. But we spent a lot of time hearing stories from people and really finding, you know, everybody has this story and really understanding that when people would step in front of the mirror, that there was a lot of heartache and a lot of pain being experienced amongst many different people, whether it was men saying that they were isolated or you know, women and eating disorders, young girls to you know, LGBTQ kids coming out for the first time. And we were having this explosion of, of conversations with people that I would say was in the midst of all of this really gave me this portal between art and emotional health. It was this time where I was learning a lot. And in the midst of all of that, I had my own tragedy happen very close to me of a dear friend's daughter committing suicide due to bullying. And how old was she? She was 12. And it brought me to my knees in the midst of all of this. And I just decided at that time that I needed to do something because if I didn't, who would? And that's where the kindness campaign was created. It was created on a Xerox copy journals in my home, in my apartment with my two girls. And I did this feelings journal. It took off. It ended up going into five schools within the first year. And I thought, I can't support this you know, on my own with the Xerox copies. I created a little guy named, I have him right here, named Enoughy Buddy. Hey. and. That's Enoughy Buddy, and he's our main character in the journals. And that moved on. And, you know, once we became a nonprofit, within the first two years, we were in over 82 schools serving over 40,000 students. And with a full offering of social emotional curriculum, as well as, you know, with the band really doing some music and kindness programming, looking at how music affected the emotional health of students and bringing on-site programming, bringing the magic mirror. So it became a full toolkit for emotional health for our schools and for our community. When all of you know this coronavirus pandemic hit and we took all our tools at the request of our schools that we serve and brought it all online. So we have been what I would say, you know, actively pursuing how to continue addressing the needs of our community and community wide. So I believe, you know, you said the needs of what's happening right now is, you know, really the basics, food, shelter, and, you know, health. I would beg to say that this is right up there. Oh, this is mental health. This is mental health. health. And music is in there. The kindness campaign, along with the missus, we are creating those tools right now. You know, you can find these on, and I'll give our website, tkckindness.org. You can find these free resources right now on our website. I just believe more than ever, people need each other. We're moving from an I society to a we, and we can support one another, whether it's podcasts like what you're doing today to help uplift 
nonprofits like mine and organizations like the Misses that are supporting each other to really bring the tools and the into the hands of moms, struggling moms and dads in their homes that are trying to educate their kids, educators out there that are strapped to try to move all of their resources online to really help the parents that are in their homes to, you know, our communities that are just suffering, that are the jobs and, you know, these businesses out there. So we are a real we community right now. And I believe we can all be here for each other. And that is where the kindness campaign is really stepping up and stepping in to help provide these online free resources right now. Well, we'll make sure that we have a link to the kindness campaign in our show notes so that it's easy for people if they just want to click over from there, they can. And we just want to say we at Backstage Chats Foundation and our podcast are thrilled to know you and to share your message to hopefully inspire other women with your story and what you're doing. And hopefully, again, there's nothing like women supporting women, right? Well, I couldn't thank you enough for all you do to help uplift women. And your power is so great to be able to give a voice to so many and to really uplift women. So thank you. And thank you for having me on. And I know you are doing the same as many with the pivots and and everything. And so just really appreciate you. And I've, it's been a joy to be on here. It's actually been a nice fun break from all the, the, the shifting with all the curriculum right now. So I really, and it's fun to see your face. So it is, it's fun to see the face. And I just, I really excited to hear more from the band and more from the Kindness Project. Again, everybody, we are finishing up our wonderful chat with the great Andre Limont, the founder and drummer and vocalist of The Misses. And we will have all the links to the band, the Kindness Campaign, and all kinds of fun videos on our show notes so that you can check them out, you can buy their music, you can support the cause. We would like to thank all of you for listening in today. This is such a pleasure and something that we all needed to hear during a time when we may be feeling distanced from others for obvious reasons with the coronavirus. So please remember that our podcast is here for you to listen to during these times. And we love these ladies. Why? Because they remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock star. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for being on the program, Andra. And everyone, it's a wrap. Audio engineering for this episode was provided by Podcast Engineers. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today.